You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs Him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. The church is the assembly of the faithful. Now, you just watched a video that said the church does all these things. Now, I don't remember personally giving out thousands of bottles of water or running hospitals or doing stuff all over the world personally, but we're not a church alone. We're a church that's part of a group called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which has 2,000 churches across the United States, but like four or five million members across the world. So when you put all the churches together and the churches like ours, when we give to the Great Commission Fund on your offering envelope or when you give online or when you give by text, I actually did that today, give by text, it only took like 30 seconds, but you can give to the Great Commission Fund to help supply those uh, missionaries and resources and things like that. And every week, Dan shares missionary moments, and some of them are Christian and Missionary Alliance Ministries, some aren't. So we, as a local church, have opportunity to empower and fund the worldwide church. Every believer across the world in Jesus Christ is part of the global church, Christ Church, uh, and then we are a local part of that in our community. But we gather together so that we can encourage each other and build each other up and to learn and to know, to share life. It's we could do internet church and we could just stay at home and watch stuff, but there wouldn't be the same kind of interaction that you can have here. Sometimes people say in a church, you know, I just don't feel that connected. I don't feel involved, but they never show up to anything. They don't come to any of the events. They don't come to any of the small groups. They don't, 
they don't like they come late to the church service and then they leave as soon as it's over without talking to anybody and they're like I just don't feel like I'm connecting well you need to try a little harder to connect if you're gonna you know run in and run out it's kind of hard to connect but anyway so the church gathers uh, it's a gathering hopefully of the faithful. Now, there's other churches that are a drive away, you know, that like have better facilities and more programs and everything, but they're not the local church in our community. So we gather together because of what Christ has done in our life, and we gather together to worship Him and to serve. And you amaze me when it comes to serving because you care so much about other people. I was looking around at the people that are working with Adventure Club and with the junior and senior high youth group. And a lot of those people that are doing that ministry don't have kids in that program. So they're not doing it because their kids are in it. I mean, some, some are. But a lot of them, like in junior high and senior high ministry, there's nobody working in those ministries with kids in that group besides me. And so people are committed to serve. People are committed to pass Christ on to the next generation. And this well, our church, like it says right here, to live, live life well, this whole well thing, you know, we've been using this. I've been saying this for like the last decade, but it's becoming more and more popular. It's like a snowball. So I don't really think they're copying me, though maybe. But uh, we were ahead of the well thing before it showed up in every advertisement for your, for your dentist and your doctor and uh, for pharmacies and for fitness centers and everybody wants McDonald's. They all want you to live well. But we're going to keep running with it because... When you see well, I want you to think about, am I worshiping? Am I encouraging? Am I learning? Am I loving? Am I helping other people to become worshipers, to become encouragers? Another good word for encouraging is evangelism, to learn uh, and to love. So one of the great things that you can do to help people to learn is give them access to the Right Now Media Library. On the back of your bulletin, I think it's on the back of your bulletin, there's a, a little link that makes it easy to, for them just to go there and to just put in their email address, and then they can get themselves a free subscription. So you don't have to ask the church anymore. Uh, if they're connected to you, that's good enough. So when the thing on the uh, sign-up thing says, are you connected to River Rock Church? Well, if they're connected to you and you're connected to River Rock, that's good enough. So give them access to that. It's a way for them to get felt needs and to learn things that they wouldn't be comfortable asking uh, somebody in person um, it's a great resource. We're going to continue to use it. But to become worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving, to help others be that. So if you look in Hebrews chapter 10 out of the New Living Translation, I wanted to highlight some things real quick before we talk about the annual meeting and talk about the church budget and all those things about the church. Now, I have been going to church as long as I can remember. My grandma brought me to church, um, but then she died when I was, I'm not sure what, I was six or something like that. So then my parents didn't really go to church all the time, but other people brought me to church. So they'd come pick me up. My uh, step-grandparents would make sure they'd call around and see if somebody could get me to church. And I remember going to church uh, kind of by myself, being brought by other people, and uh, growing up in the church. And we have that same opportunity. So what kid are you bringing to church that might become a, a future pastor? No one ever expected I would become a pastor, not even me, but to bring people, to care about people, to invest in others' lives, even if they don't seem to matter because they're little kids. But I've always had a desire to go to church. I've gone to 
large churches and small churches. And I always find that it's the people in the church that God uses to encourage me. And so, number one, assembly of the faithful. So I assume that you are the faithful, those people who have put their faith and, and hope in Jesus Christ for their salvation, their eternity, and for their life, abundant life today. Number one, the faithful who are learning through God's Holy Spirit. So Hebrews 10, 15, and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. Actually, if you read Hebrews 10, it'd be great for your devotions today. But the, Hebrew, uh, the Holy Spirit who also testifies that this is so, for he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So the Holy Spirit is at work helping us to learn. Now, um, in 1 John, it also talks about um, us not needing a teacher because we have the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't come and listen to preaching. We shouldn't listen to audiobooks. We shouldn't listen to sermons online. We shouldn't do all those things to keep growing because the Holy Spirit uses that. The Holy Spirit uses when you come to church. Now, hopefully when a lot of you come to church, you come to actually hear what's going on. I met one lady who said that she really liked going to church because it was a time for her to unwind and plan her week. Well, if you're going to use the little note sheet to plan your week, I guess that's better than not coming at all. But sometimes we get your undivided attention and God can work through that. Sometimes when you show up, it's not even about the message, but it's about somebody that you saw, that you encouraged, or they encouraged you, or you saw them at church, and then you saw them in the community, and then you established a friendship and a relationship. But the Holy Spirit is at work helping you to learn and understand. So when you are reading God's Word, the Holy Spirit helps you to understand it. You should pray that the Holy Spirit helps you to understand what you are reading and learning as you're spending time in God's Word. I like that version or Bible.com uh, Bible reading plans, because when you fall behind, it starts to nag you. You know, it either shows up on your phone screen or sends you an email. It says, hey, are you still, are you still working this plan here? You're you're behind. You can catch up. So, and you can also uh, invite some friends to uh, read uh, certain passages or do a Bible plan with you to encourage each other. But the Holy Spirit can use that. The Holy Spirit can use preaching. The Holy Spirit can use books. The Holy Spirit can use Christian music. The Holy Spirit can use other people around you in your life. And not only does the Holy Spirit help teach you through all those things, especially through the Word of God that He inspired so all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good works. Not only can the Holy Spirit help you to learn, but He can help you to be discerning and send off like little red lights or check engine lights or whatever when things aren't right. When you're hearing something and the teaching's not right, the Holy Spirit can help you know, hey, you know, something's not right about this. Something's not right about that person. Something's not right about this teaching. Something's wrong here. The Holy Spirit helps you. The faithful are learning through God's Holy Spirit. Number two, the faithful who worship in God's presence. Isn't that weird to think that we're in a public elementary school, but we have an opportunity to come literally into the presence of God and worship Him together through our singing, through prayers, through uh, the public reading of, of Scripture, through encouraging each other? And what's weird is that so many people think that their life is so messed up that they've done so many things wrong that they couldn't dare try to come into God's presence. They couldn't dare try to approach His throne. They couldn't dare try to live a life for Him because of what they've done in the past. But like Elliot shared during communion, we all know that Jesus Christ died for our sins and made us righteous. Hebrews 10, 18. 
when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. You remember in the Old Testament, they were always offering sacrifices for sins, and the high priest would offer sacrifices for people's sins, and then they'd sin some more, and there'd be some more sacrifices, and then there'd be more sacrifices because there'd be more sins, and it just went on and on. But we know that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, and when he died on that cross, he made it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. So people in the past, before Jesus, were forgiven because of Christ's sacrifice. People now were forgiven because of Christ's sacrifice. People in the future are forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross if they receive him, if they receive that. Verse 19, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most high place. If you remember your Old Testament... There was this, this curtain that separated uh, man the, from the Holy of Holies and uh, it was like 40 feet high or something like that. And when Jesus died on that cross, uh, it separated uh, people from the presence of God. And I, I believe it was every year the high priest would go in there and offer a sacrifice. And so the priest would come out and often the priest would share, you know, what, what God is saying. And then, you know, the priest was the middleman, basically. But Jesus is now our high priest, and when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that curtain was torn in half from the top down, signifying that we can have direct access to God through Jesus, and that Jesus is our high priest. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, that's Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So we walk into Christ's presence, into God's presence, into God's holy presence because of what Christ has done. Because of Christ in us, it makes us worthy. It opens the opportunity. So no matter what you've done or how messed up you are or the sin that you're in, run straight to the Lord. Ask Him for forgiveness for that. Ask Him to help you to live that life. Praise Him for what He's doing. Worship Him. Show Him His worth, His value. Tell Him how thankful you are. Uh, as you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. He wants to hear through prayer. So many times when you pray about things and God answers and you know it was God because you prayed about it and it couldn't have happened any other way and you're like, I've had a true life-changing experience with a living God of the universe who cared about me so much He reached down from heaven and answered my prayer. Sometimes He doesn't answer our prayers the way that we hope. Sometimes he answers, but then he doesn't. Sometimes things don't go the way we hope we do. Uh, the, we hope they do, and uh, instead of being disappointed with God, we just trust and trust that you know God had a reason, or God God allowed something for some reason, some tragedy, some difficulty for some reason, and you don't know why, but you just stay faithful and you keep pursuing God, keep faithfully coming into His presence, into a public worship service, into your devotions each day. Um, really there's no place you can escape from God. You keep moving forward in the Lord, uh, pursuing God's presence. Number three, the faithful, the assembly of the faithful who hope in His promises. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. So we as believers should be standing on the Word of God, trusting in His promises, proclaiming His promises, praying through His promises, and sharing hope and his promises with the other people all around. So when our church is full of hope 
and full of love, then people will be drawn and want to become part of our group. As we share life, as we share stuff, our church will grow, we'll grow closer to the Lord. And so many times we just sit on our hands and we hide away and think that nobody's interested. But if you would like show up and start telling people about Jesus and your faith in Jesus and not be an undercover Christian. I mean, some people have hidden their faith because they're afraid of persecution. Some people think that they're afraid that people will think they're foolish or that they will be um, like made fun of. Now, today, made fun of in person and social media, at work, all these things. So, but we live for Christ and we should proclaim Christ publicly and be faithful to hope in His promises. His promises are many. Number four, the faithful who act in love. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. So, as God puts it, on, puts it on your heart, you can think about, okay, what is it that God wants me to do in this situation? What is it that God wants me to do to help? Maybe you hear of a need. Maybe you hear of a family that has a certain need, and it's an immediate need. It's not one that you really have time to like share with everybody or start a fundraiser or whatever. So, in love, you like take action to do something about that. You like have whatever they need sitting in your house and you run home and get it and give it to them so they can have it immediately. God sees that. Uh, faithful who act in love, who treat people better than they deserve, who um, spend time with people that um, you might not always spend time with to think about how Christ sees them. I mean, Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. To show love to people, we act in love. Love is our motivation. I knew of a group that was really into soul winning, and they would go out as many times as they could, weekends, weekdays, or whatever, and share their faith with people, which is awesome. And we should do that, and we should be encouraged to do that, and we will do that. But their motivation, I believe, came down to wanting to share with others how many people they got to say the prayer that day, and they actually got little rewards. So they'd have like little pins, like, uh, oh, we got the, you got the 50, the 50 pin, that means that... 50 people prayed to receive Christ with you. Oh, you're working your way towards your 100 pin. It's like, uh, no, that's not the right motivation. Your right motivation should be lost people need Jesus in love. It doesn't matter what pin you're wearing. And the other thing, too, is that sometimes when you share Christ with somebody in love, you don't just try to force them to say the prayer right away, but you try to figure out where they're at and help them to grow in their faith and help them to understand and realize it's a process that it may take a while till they're ready to give their hearts and life to Jesus Christ. So you move in love, you act in love, you care in love because you love God and God loves people. Number five, the faithful who do good works. It's kind of like the motivation for love, but let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So, I mean, the book of James talks about faith and good works, and if you have faith, you're going to do works. Um, so you don't work your way into heaven, but because you're a citizen of heaven, you do good works. What are the things that you can do to help people, the ways that you can serve, the way that you can uh, encourage people through good works? Sometimes you can come alongside somebody at church and they'll even motivate you, spur you on, encourage you to like do something, to help somebody. And it's so much easier to help somebody when it's a few of you together. Sometimes when you get a group together to do something, when they've decided that they want to, want to share Christ and help somebody, to make something happen, to clean something up, to do something for, some, you know, for the school or the city or something like that as a group is a great thing. And we should be faithful to do good works. The assembly of the faithful looks for ways to do good works. 
So they put the poster up in the hallway as you enter into the school in the beginning of the year of all the things that they want or need. The teachers like have these lists of all these things. And some of you see those and give those to the teachers. And then they know that somebody from River Rock Church uh, gave them some stuff, and so they're thankful for it, and it's all good. Those are good works. So there are many different things under the classification of good works. Your motivation should be love, and it's because what the assembly of the faithful do. Number six, the faithful who assemble together. Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So we gather together and we assemble. And like I said in the beginning, internet church isn't the same as gathering together as a group. I mean, some of you have some really close friendships. You can tell the quality of a church, at least I think I can, when you walk into a church and when the service is over, how long the people linger afterwards. So you know that we're supposed to be out of here by noon, so usually you find your way out the door by noon, but lots of you linger for a long time afterwards, which is a good sign that um, our church is a healthy place where people like to get together, assemble together. We come to church. Uh, sometimes for people, they can't worship on Sunday morning at our time because like one-third of all the people around here work on Sundays. So if we, can, if we can get our own building, the church isn't a building, but the church is people. If we can get our own building, wouldn't it be great to either have a Saturday night or Sunday night service or something to have some more choices for worship teams, worship times, so that more people can come at different times that fit into their schedule? Um, I don't know, even 30 years ago, people wouldn't schedule stuff on Sunday mornings because they'd be like, well, that's church time. But now it, the Sunday morning slot is wide open for everything, you know, for for sports, for community events, for everything, um, Sunday morning is no longer seen as a uh, reserved sacred space because everybody's going to church. So unfortunately, not as many people are going to church. So the faithful assemble together. Uh, This is our diagram that we've shown in multiple years about the foundation of the church. If we were to build the church, this would be the foundation of winning lost people to Christ, building them up in their faith, equipping them to do ministry, and multiplying ministers and ministries with a foundation of loving God and loving people. So this has been the same, <laughs> the same foundation that we've shown for years. There's a poster of it at the ministry center, but this is really what the church is built of. And as we empower leadership with gift-oriented ministry, and we have a passionate spirituality mixed with functional structures, I mean, we have functional structures. We have elders. We've got a church management system, uh, that realm system that we use. Uh, we have group leaders. Um, we have many different functional structures to kind of hold things together, to go with our passionate spirituality. And I think that if our church were to double in size, I think that with the skills that you have for ministry, I think that we would do great. So we should pray for that, and you should be ready for that. With inspiring worship and holistic small groups, and need-oriented evangelism through loving relationships, we can make a difference and build the church as we have an attitude of repentance and a spirit of dependence. So we would be building disciples, fully devoted followers of Christ, and we would be growing in our small groups and growing more small groups and raising up leaders. And we're constantly trying to raise up leaders and equip leaders. There's a Crown Youth Ministry training day, Saturday, I'm not sure what it is, March 3rd or something like that, at Crown College, which helps equip leaders for children's ministry and youth ministry. And sometimes we use those leaders internally. Um, Sometimes you even hire people 
to become staff people based out of the church or we send them into other ministries uh, nationally or overseas. So the foundation of the church isn't about building a building and it's not about having the best coffee or the most comfortable seats or the greatest events. It's about making disciples and making a difference in the world. Number seven, the faithful who encourage one another. So Hebrews 10.25b, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. And so you encourage me many times through when you come, you encourage me. When you comment, sometimes you encourage me. Your survey results encourage me. I should probably share those sometimes. I haven't put them all together, but I read them as they came in maybe next week. But I'm encouraged. I hope to encourage you. I hope when you come, you walk out of here encouraged. Either encouraged to do something greater or encouraged to stop doing that thing. So sometimes when we focus on encouraged to stop doing that thing, then you walk out and you're like, am I discouraged or encouraged? Hopefully you're encouraged. All right. So we are basically out of time. But next week is football Sunday. And so we have a little problem here is that they put together football Sunday before they figured out who was going to be in the Super Bowl. Before the playoffs, before the Eagles, before the Eagles fans. So the star of the Football Sunday testimony video that we're going to show is Carson Wentz, who is from the Eagles. Now, we can't say that the whole organization is bad because their fans aren't so great. Matter of fact, it seems like Minnesota fans aren't so great either. So, but this is an opportunity. So we've shown it for a few years. They have testimonies. It's not really about football. It's about life of people who are football players and their families and their struggles and how they came to Christ. And so they've shown this, you know, across the nation or even the world, uh, these videos that we show on Super Bowl Sunday. And thousands of people have received Christ as a result of it. So I hope that you'll look past the eagles and not boycott it because you're not happy. So actually some of you guys here are Vikings fans anyway, so it doesn't matter. Some of you aren't even football fans and you're like, who cares about football? We care about Jesus and Paul said he became all things to all men that he might win some to Christ. So become a kind of football fan for just a Super Bowl Sunday to get people to church to hear. Here's a video clip and then the worship team will come up. And then after that, we will get our kids from Children's Church and come back for our annual meeting. It's that thing we've dreamed about since we were kids. Since we were kids on the playground. Pretending we were playing in the final second. In the final seconds of Super Bowl. Of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. But we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones who are dreaming. Your church, your church, your church has been dreaming about this day too. And the potential is greater than ever. The potential for lives to change. The potential for a person to go from death to life. The potential to see the kingdom of God with new, with new and fresh eyes. Someone at church on Super Bowl Sunday. A friend? A co-worker? A family member? When God calls us to something greater than ourselves, it's never easy. But it's always worth it. It's always worth it. So dream big. So dream big. Dream big this Super Bowl weekend. And let's just watch what God does.
You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.